Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Lauren Calve is a native of Northern Virginia, but she's been a lot of places, including college, of all things. And she opens up about a lot of really great stuff in this, her relationship with spirituality and religion, um, her stage fright, her um, new album, and the trickiness of trying to make the record during the pandemic and the sort of growth that has happened for her during the making of the album. I think it's a really fascinating conversation because she is a very thoughtful person. She's willing to sit down and really dig in to a lot of subjects that are kind of tricky that a lot of people will gloss over or ignore altogether. But Lauren doesn't do that. And I have a feeling that this new record she's finishing up right now is going to be really great. In the past, she has released EPs and singles and done shorter uh, form musical stuff. But this is going to be a full album. She talks about it at length during the interview. She really cool perspective on being a young, evolving songwriter, talks about having a, a, a job. She also has a job job, which is in, it's always interesting to me to talk to someone that's able to straddle the line between a, um, you know, sort of a corporate proper job and then this weird life that lives in the shadows. And I'm really grateful that I got a chance to talk to Lauren Cav. So please welcome to Wheels Off, Lauren Calv. Welcome to Wheels Off, Lauren Calv. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm so excited to finally be having a conversation with you. I opened up for you several times now, and I feel like, you know, just the nature of shows, we pack up and things are just, you know, crazy at the end of shows and we never actually get to have a conversation. So I'm psyched for this. Ships in the night. Indeed. So for the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us? I am in Cottage City, Maryland, just a mile outside DC. Nice. And and is that a banjo behind you? 
yes, it is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> On loan from my brother. Yes. Nice. While he's uh, away uh, internationally. Yeah. It's, I have his banjo and his truck in my driveway. Are you proficient at banjo? No, no. But my partner and I are both, you know, practicing, just messing around with it. It's in the dining room. You know, we just mess around with it when we have the chance. It's so it's a tricky. It's all different uh, shapes from a guitar. Exactly. Yes, it is. It is. Um, so what uh, what creative project are you working on at the moment, Lauren, and how does it light you up? Right now, I, I just well, I guess we're wrapping up the final tracking for my first album. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's been in happening or we're, we've been in the recording process for a little over a year now. And I've gone down to Nashville to work with Dex Green and he is in East Nashville in a new house studio collective kind of thing called Three Sirens. I've been going down there three times in the past year and recording each time a new chunk of songs. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. This is my first ever album. Um, so excited for the way the songs are sounding, who I've been able to work with. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been awesome. Are you getting to meet uh, new musicians as you roll in and then work with them? Like right. Having just having just met them. Yes. Uh, but it's been great because Dex has been probably my favorite collaborator slash producer I've worked with and he just chooses all the right people. And of course you're in Nashville, right? So you have like a high level of trust in whoever is in the session, right? Even if you have never played with them, it's like, okay, this person is likely to be one of the best musicians I've ever played with. It's funny. I when I talk to people in other media in other disciplines, um, I don't think it's always this way, but I feel like in music, it's so often the case that when you are put together with someone new, when you for the first time sit down with someone and make music, having just met them, it's so often like a really beautiful bonding, like positive bonding experience. Is that the case for you? Yes, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what I, thought about, you know, the national studio musician type thing. I, I, this is my first time kind of being in that scenario, but, um, you know, the, the, these guys are not just there to, to clock in and track and then leave. Um, you know, there have been several times with several different of these guys, really all of them where it's during this process where they don't know me, they've never heard these songs and they just jump in and enthusiastically. And then sometimes uh, in some cases, they're the ones who, who kind of act like the cheerleader and bring us all back together and like, no, no, we got this um, when things aren't quite gelling because a lot of these songs, most of them, you know, had never been played with a full band before. Um, so that was really awesome to see. And also, you know, it, it was just so clear that this is what they have been put on this planet to do. You know, they're just, I don't just, just the way that their demeanor would change even after the first take, you know, and we'd come into this, in, into the, into the mixing room and it, they were like little kids in a candy shop, you know, it was in, and, and 
I don't, that, that was just so awesome to see. Uh, I, I think mu to have a career in music, I don't know, it's just, it's a test in, in, in longevity and, and endurance, you know, and, and just to see these guys just having a ball in the studio was, it was so exciting. It was so cool. When you go in with songs like that, do you have like a really strong vision and then um, wind up sort of directing people towards a vision? Or do you go in with like a super open mind and wind up just um, following the, your, you know, the moment? Uh, I guess I have a pretty good idea, especially this time around with Dex. He's worked with Nicole Atkins and, you know, uh, he, he sent me a bunch of his material ahead of time. So I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. And I made a playlist ahead of time of like different comps, you know, um, stuff I was into, stuff I was listening to that I thought would be good inspiration. Like a vision board. Exactly. Yes. Like an audio an, uh, vision board. Exactly. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm, you know, I'm, however many decades into this and i've only recently started doing that where you make a playlist with your collaborator producer or whatever and say well, what songs would it be good if it, if this sounded like and it's mm. such an obvious smart thing to do that's so funny that you just recently uh doing this i mean you have, have such a strong aesthetic and and sound too that i mean do you feel like you have to kind of find different I don't know, just things to kind of shake things up. I mean, in, <laughs> in, in like, in, in, you know, like with the old 97s and, and, and stuff, it's like such a strong aesthetic. It's just a strong sound, you know, it's such like a signature thing. So, it's so good. You're interviewing me now. I love it. Um, the, you know, the earliest days I'm realizing there was obviously no Spotify in the 90s when we were starting, but we would all... We used to, there's a, a game in the South called Washers, which may be just really poor musicians, where you would dig a hole in your backyard and put like a little PVC pipe flush with the ground, a few inches deep into the ground. And then you throw metal washers and whoever, it's like horseshoes or any one of those time killing uh -huh. drinking beer games. But so we would be out listening to music while we would play washers. And that was, I guess, the equivalent. So we'd be listening to like rockabilly and then like really old Hank Williams senior country and then, you know, X punk rock kind of. And that mm, was that nice. was the equivalent of a Spotify playlist. It's just whatever things we would listen to the day before we'd go into the studio. Oh, but, I love that. Yeah. So I guess it. There's 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 a equivalence, as it were. That's, yeah, well, that makes sense that you were listening to all of those things going into the studio and recording. That's so funny. So then you're pretty close to being done with the album, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, we've we've tracked all of the songs. Uh, there may be one kind of a rewrite and just adding different uh, kind of textures after the fact but yeah all the full band recording and the main vocals really are are done um it's yeah it's been kind of an interesting process going down there in these three chunks <clears throat> with three different kind of crops of songs i i knew that they would all sonically be cohesive but um it's it's afforded me the opportunity even after a year to go back and listen to even the first round of recording and 
in light of the second and third round and and just kind of um just kind of review uh what we've done and if we need to add anything else if there needs to be harmonies if there needs to be i mean not to belabor it but it, it's been a really cool process do do see it's funny there's i feel like there's this age-old question of when you're starting a session do you start with your favorite song the be your best song do you start with that first because you're so excited or do you start with something that it's just kind of like on the border of whether it'll make the album or not and you'll just kind of warm up with this song that's uh you know question mark kind of song do you have a do you have a feeling about that yeah well i guess i can speak to what we did this time around um the first song that we tracked was a song that i would call like a transitional song of mine um so it was kind of like a bridge yeah. <laughs> into delving into this newer material into a sound that I was unsure about, maybe insecure about, you, you know, um, uncovering. So yeah, this song is more in, in the first song um, is more in the vein of, of what I've recorded prior. And I feel like that side of my music, what I've recorded up to this point, or up till last year, I guess, um, is it was kind of like a, a study in in like roots music, you know, there were personal lyrics in those songs. But you know, a lot of them were, you know, I want to write, a, yeah. you know, listening to Wilson Pickett or something, you know, <laughs> listening, it was like after watching the Muscle Shoals documentary or something and, and just wanting to write like a soul rocker kind yeah. of tune, you know, and then kind of using that as a template or inspiration to write. And I feel like that's the way that I kind of wrote before. And now I feel like I'm, I'm really starting to find my own voice. I'm singing differently. I'm writing differently. Um, and like I said, Dex has been such a great sort of captain at the helm of the ship, you know, really directing things because, yeah, it's it's a little um, scary to be in in a position where things are sounding pretty different. I mean, still sounds like me. I mean, I'd argue more like me than I've ever heard anything I've recorded before. Um, but still, yeah, it's 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 this new frontier for me. That's got to be a great feeling to be aware that you're growing, like as you're evolving as an artist, like you're you're feeling it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and even people close to me have also said this in, in Dex I've been working with is he's like, yeah, you're, you're definitely going through some kind of evolution, you know? Nice. Um, so it is, yeah, it's, it, it's exciting to capture that, I guess, in real time. That's so cool. Do you remember when you were first real, like when you were a kid, I imagine, and you were first realizing that you wanted to make music, be a musician, write songs. Was that something you always were aware of? Was there a moment you remember, like an epiphany moment when you knew this was going to be your thing? How how did it start for you? I've I've always loved to sing and be creative in that way. Like I've always loved music. My dad was one of those people who would uh, subscribe to those 
CD, I guess it was like BMI or, you know, it was like those, those catalogs of music where you could, if you were a first time subscriber, you could get like 20 CDs for like a dollar. A penny. And he, or a, a penny. It was yes. a penny. Yeah. It was, it was a penny. And then just cancel your membership afterwards. I think he did that with like three or four different, um, yes, you names. know, subscriptions. Your dad yeah. and I have so, a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and because of that, I mean, there's, um, he, he, he's would just buy all kinds of different stuff. And so there's always just all this different kinds of music in the house. I'd say like more heavily with like classic rock, of course, but <clears throat> so I, that, that kind of like provided the soundtrack to my childhood where it was just like, like every kind of music playing all the time. Um, and yeah, so it, it wasn't really until college that I started singing in a group with other people. Um, before that, I mean, it just had such a tremendous fear of performing or even just singing, playing in front of anyone. I didn't consider myself a singer. I didn't consider myself a guitar player. I, 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 you know, I just, I did, I, I studied art in college and that was always the thing that, um, you know, that people would that's, that's the thing that people would reinforce for me, right? Like, oh, you're, you're such a great artist. You're a great, whatever it was. So that was the thing that I was like, okay, that's my art thing. That's my creative thing. And the guitar thing, the singing thing is just like something I do in my bedroom, you know, that no one really knows about. And it wasn't until college that I started playing. And it's funny how things have kind of come full circle. It's funny that we're having this interview now that you're asking me this now, because I just reconnected with this guy that I, Jacob Early, who I uh, sang with in college and he's big in, in like the contemporary Christian world. And we, we started singing together at this um, uh, Thursday night worship in, at my school at Davidson college. And I got started um, when I was a freshman. I did it all four years and I was pretty religious in, in college. And, you know, I, I think that too probably stunted in a way my growth and in, in, in like just exploring art, exploring music, exploring that side of me. Um, but this, and, and I'm not religious so much anymore. You know, I, I have a complicated relationship with it. Um, in fact, in college, I feel like I was kind of in a cult and <laughs> like a Christian cult, you know, I'm, I'm sure many people can sort of attest to this with campus ministries. Um, and it's, but, but this Thursday night worship every Thursday, it was like what kept my spirituality, my faith alive and singing with these people. Um, it was this very low key. We, we would congregate in like the smaller chapel on campus. It wasn't Christian affiliated, but had Presbyterian roots. And so they had like, you know, these, these churches on campus and um, we would dim the lights. We would sit down on the steps and people would come, they would read, they would sleep, they would sing, they would, you know, and, and it was like this free form music, um, performance, I guess it's not, you know, it, I don't think we call it that, but 
was very free form and you know it wasn't just like jesus 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 it was i would say more just about spirituality and connection and relationship and just being with each other um and it wasn't you know like the christian rock band with all the lights and the smoke and the you know and all of that it was just like a very it was more like diminished and simple and and pared down and um anyway i just reconnected with him because he has an amazing voice and i love singing with him and i want him to sing harmonies on these songs and that i just recorded and um and these songs too are kind of like delving back into my spirituality you know like my spiritual life uh that i like I said, I've, I've had a complicated relationship with religion and now I feel like I'm starting to figure out the shape of it now in, in this, in my life now and in, in where I am now. And these songs really are, have become kind of like stewards of that, you know, like my, my friends as, as I'm kind of walking through this part of, of my life and, you know, things in the past couple of years have just been so crazy that I think it's, it's kind of obvious why I've had, you know, like, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had these kind of introspective moments. So anyway, that's a, a long-winded answer to your question, oh, but I love, I love it. That's what I want. I've just I- been thinking about all this stuff. I wonder, so does it feel like the songs are a chronicle of a process you're going through, or do you feel like the songs are part of the process, the writing and and singing recording of these songs? Like it's a necessary part of what you're, of this evolution, the spiritual evolution. It's a good question. Um, I guess since I'm in it, it's hard to see, but I mean, maybe... I, I think I will figure that out or there will be a point where I'll look back <laughs> and, 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 and know. Um, but for sure, these, these songs are like these quiet moments that I have. Um, it, w- one of the songs that I wrote, that's, that's going to be on the record. It's kind of counterintuitive, but I wrote it to sort of describe the feeling of just being still and being silent. Um, and I literally actually was sitting like right here in the seat and like looking out of my windows and just, it was kind of like a meditative practice of just like recognizing what's around me, you know, like being, um, mindful, like a mindfulness practice, you know, and, and there's traffic in the background and, and there's smoke coming out of a chimney stack and there's little patches of snow on the ground that, you know, are melting as the sun is coming up. And, and it was like this moment of just stillness that I wanted to capture because I feel like that's, that's what I'm trying to get to, you know, is, is to embrace more stillness and just more, uh, connectedness, I guess. And, um, so that, that, that was one of the songs that came out of it. And, uh, another one, yeah, just like sitting on my porch and thinking and hitting a wrong chord, you know, and, and strumming it and being like, actually, this is really cool and kind of taking it from there. And, um, and actually in the past couple of years, I mean, I've of course been listening to music. It's my life. Like, um, but a lot of times I, I've found myself just wanting silence. 
um, where there's been like periods, weeks even, where I'm not really listening to music. I don't have a desire to listen to music. I just want to sit and be still and and read or, um, you know, like I said, I, I work from home too. So just just having a backdrop of, of silence, um, I think also has been like therapeutic in a time like this too. So I think it's, it's all connected. And also why I think I'm singing differently because I just like being in this still space, I don't want to yell at people, <laughs> you know, like I feel like a lot of time or my, my vocal style has kind of evolved to, to be more, you know, full voiced, <laughs> if you will. And, and, and I'm kind of exploring more of a, a subtle part of my voice and, and vocal ability, I guess. Fascinating. I, w- I wonder about that. Cause <clears throat> I mean, I, I wonder about this for myself all the time, the, the, the way we sing and what it means about what we're doing. And I remember all the years where I, got louder and hammier and it felt like Mm. I was really I was really just like I want to entertain these people I want them to love me like it's so much wanting and wanting right and then but like you in the last couple of years I've most of my gigs have been sitting in this chair in my office and the my quiet voice is something that I've I like you have also rediscovered and I love it and it's Mm. and it maybe it's because it's more for us or for like we're we're a steward of the moment that we're in rather than desperately trying mm. to fill up a space or or make someone love us. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that so much. Um yeah, I I my dad was a fan of like power vocalists and like Mariah Carey was like my favorite all-time singer growing up. And I mean there were these embarrassing stories where I'd like put on <laughs> headphones and sing these songs unaware of how I sounded. And my parents were like, sure, surely this woman, this girl is not going to grow up to be a singer. <laughs> um, you, you know, and I, and I thought like, and I, I grew up playing sports. I, I played sports in college too. So I feel like I had this kind of like athletic competitive attitude about singing where I wanted it to, I wanted to be the best. And what I thought was the best was, the loudest and, you know, the, the biggest range and, and all of that. And then I have this like clear memory of listening to Nina Simone, where I just was like, wait, no, no, I'm doing it wrong. You know, that, that, you know, that there's, there's, there's so like in her voice and the subtleties and the nuances. Um, and, and that's what draws you in i mean of course the 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 athleticism of of power vocalists can't be denied i mean i i do love singing like that you know i love rocking out um but but yeah i i think that's so interesting it is connected so much to how others view you and how you're coming across to an audience that yeah and and now like you said just playing by yourself or to computer screen, you know, there's people there listening. Um, yeah, maybe we're kind of like settling into our true, 
or you know how we'd how we'd ra- not rather sing like but something like you said maybe it's just right now this is how we'd prefer to sing <laughs> it's funny though because one of um one of my biggest pet peeves is when an artist uh, and i've got people in mind that i won't name because that would be horrible but you know they they sit up on a stage and they sing really they play quiet song after quiet song and it's like they're whisper reading their diary to you and you, you know you're so lucky mm-hmm. just to just to hear their innermost thoughts and like they don't <laughs> give any thought to entertaining right but so mm-hmm. there's that but then so that to me i feel like is really off-putting but it's not that big of a leap to go from doing that to doing the thing that people do where if you if you speak quietly the person listening to you has to lean in to hear and then you're getting someone to lean in i mean that mm. that's a pretty cool thing so i don't know it's such a fine line right we're we're trying out all these different parts of our i mean it doesn't mm-hmm. have to always be vocal gymnastics although i like you love to perform vocal gymnastics <laughs> yes <laughs> it's so fun yeah Right. But there, it is a fine line. You're right. Um, yeah. Cause I, I don't know why, but there's like this trend right now to like, you hear it in commercials or on like Netflix series where they're like remaking awesome rock songs and then just totally, uh, uh, stripping them away yeah. to like the coffee shop version. Yeah. And as, as this guy I worked with, this producer I worked with said, like injecting the heroin into the songs. Yeah. And actually I worked with someone and we did that with, you know, a song like, have you ever seen the rain or something? And it was just like, so toned down. And like, we even changed some of the chords to uh, minor chords and it was a cool practice, but he was doing it because it's a trend and he was like trying to license these songs out, you know? yeah, but there, but yeah, I, it that doesn't singing quieter and maybe in like in a more introspective way isn't always better. In fact, <laughs> I think it can kind of like turn the song into something that's like a rocker. Oh, like I just on on TV the other day, my partner and I were like watching TV, and it was um, I would walk five hundred miles. Yeah, of course. Right, and it was like a soft, toned down version of it, and we're like. Oh, God. <laughs> this oh. is terrible. I mean, it just like completely cheesifies the mm-hmm. song when the original, I mean, even if it's a rocker, it's it's still so earnest and it's still so, you know, heartfelt and um, and all of that. So well, uh, that, that's my trick that I'll give you um for not that you asked <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not mm-hmm. i don't mean to mansplain anything here for you but but no no but, but my one, god i want to interview <laughs> you actually no 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 but one thing i figured out over the years is when you get asked to do one of those like tribute nights all-star tribute nights and there's a bunch of different artists doing a song by somebody that you're tributing um a hundred percent of the other artists are going to take some fun song of theirs and do a quiet version so <laughs> Here's how you stand out. Do the opposite. I, I've so many times I'm like, I'm going to rock out guys. And then everybody else afterwards will be like, Oh, that one guy that rocked out. That was awesome. You're like, how can I make this rock even harder? Yep. Bring out the pyrotechnics. So I love that. 
It's fast great advice. I will remember that. <laughs> I love hearing about this journey that you're on right now. Obviously, the last two years have been weird, but for you getting to make this new record over the last year and, you know, sort of your reestablishing a relationship with your own sort of uh, spiritual life. I, I wonder about when you run up against the interior obstacles, like self-generated obstacles, the stuff that voices in your head that try to keep you down, right? The things that tell you you're lousy or whatever. I don't know anybody that doesn't have some version of that. So I wonder when you run up against that, what have you figured out for yourself to, to move through it? Hmm, that is such a good question. Cause honestly, I feel like I'm struggling with that so hard right now. Because I don't know if you felt feel this way too, when you finish a body of work, um, I don't know, there's something that happens afterwards where at least I feel just so vulnerable, like so exposed, you know, like, like, like a skin, an old skin has kind of been like peeled off and I have like new skin that's exposed, you know? Uh, and yeah, there's more than ever, and I guess it makes sense. These are the most personal songs I've ever written. And they're the most descriptive of like my internal world. And therefore I've, I've had more like of those kind of internal attacks and that, that self-critical voice, you know, that's just saying things like who cares, you know, like who, who, who care? Is this just self-indulgence? Is this, and so much about art is that, right? Is that struggle? Like, why, why does, does this need to be out in the world? Do, will people care? You know, um, will this serve, will this serve people? Will this, I, I don't know, just those kinds of questions. And from a Christian perspective, my mom is very religious and, you know, I have talked to her about this and she would say, she has said, that it's it's when you're under attack like that i'm putting in quotation marks you know that's a very christian thing to say um that that's when you need to keep pushing forward like that's probably because you are on the right track mm. and you're doing meaningful work and this is substantive meaningful things that uh, uh creative work that will impact people. And my, my cousin told me that she goes to this woo woo, like, um, um, what do you call it? Unity church. Um, and which is, I mean, honestly, if I were to go back to church, it would probably be to like a unity church. Yeah. Um, Legit. yeah. And, and she was saying that, you know, they were talking about how one person who is awakened, you know, enlightened or whatever you want to call it, um, can affect or the ripple effect of that is like 75,000 people. I don't know what kind of study they did to figure this out. I mean, um, if any, but it was, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about because as one person, it's so easy to let yourself fall into that trap that of, of the internal dialogue that says, Oh, you're just one person. Like, what does it matter that, you, you know, like, are you going to make an impact? It's are, are you going to, you know, make meaningful art? And 
the thing is you, we, we just don't know, but the odds are that, yeah, we probably will make an impact and probably never know the extent of it. Not to sound like egotistical or no, not at overly all. confident about what I'm creating, because trust me, I have like, you know, riddled with doubts and insecurities. Um, but it's, it's something that I, that I think about, then that's what pushes me forward. God, that's beautiful. And, and, and I agree, you know, it's funny when I was asking you earlier about the songs you're writing, if they are merely chronicles of the process, or if they're a part of the evolution, it's, it's maybe my ongoing question. And part of the reason I've done so many of these interviews is I wonder about the utility of the art we make, you know, what, what is it for? Is it for self-aggrandizement, as I fear in my darker moments? You know, I remember I had a I had a partner years ago that wasn't super healthy relationship. And she would always say, you're not curing cancer. You're not doing some mm. massive good for the world. And I believed it at the time. Oh. But but thinking back, I do and talking to people and appreciating, you know, I've seen you perform multiple times. I think you're making something really beautiful and giving it to the world. And it's a gift that you're giving to the world. How could that not make the world better, whether it's incrementally or whether it's 75,000 people whose lives are changed by it? That's a that's a beautiful thing. So I, I do think there's inherent, um, you know, worth value in, in this thing that we're all doing. So good job. Yes. <laughs> well, thank <done. laughs> you. Thank you for saying that. I would say the same thing about you. And um, and uh, yeah, it's I think also like speaking of this thing that my mom was saying, the things that are under attack, you know, I, I, I think the things that we need most in the world um, that that capitalism tries to co-opt and tries to, you know, put its claws into are are the things that, you know, as a society, we don't value these things because, yeah, they don't fit into like this framework of, of like growth and capitalism and, and money. And of course, music is part of that too. But, you know, I think of poetry and kind of being at kind of the bottom in terms of like how they're compensated, how they're respected, how they are, um, you know, put up on, just revered as a society. And, and, and poetry is, is, is like one of those things that we just need, or <laughs> it's like soul, soul food or soul nourishment. Um, and it's those things that I think when the things that society doesn't revere or doesn't revere as much as it should, you know, when you see like the arts programs and schools getting defunded and everything like that, you know, like maybe that's a sign that that's actually what we need most yeah. or that's something that's a, a, a part of society that we benefit from, even if we can't see the effects like curing cancer, right? Like you can take a test to see if you have cancer and then if you um, take therapeutics and, 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 and chemo radiation, then you take a test and okay, I don't have cancer anymore, but it's, we're talking about like things of like the soul, things that you can't like quantify or qualify. Well, you can qualify them, but you can't quantify them. Yeah. And um Anyway, yeah, that again, like that's that's something that I keep trying to remind myself of because um, it is necessary and it is something that the world needs. Yeah. 
Boy, that's yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the lowliest, the lowliest of all the the least compensated of all the art forms. Do you ever poetry? Do you ever as a songwriter, do you ever feel like what we're doing is finding a way to make poetry not gross? <laughs> I, but, but I don't I do know, by the way, I do not think poetry is gross. Some of my favorite people are poets. I've written yeah, a lot of yes. poetry. I yeah. love poetry, but I'm but the joke yeah. is that the world looks at poetry and and just can't even be bothered to sneer, you know. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, one of my favorite people right now is this uh, Irish philosopher theologist uh john o'donohue and he says that um yeah that music is what poetry wishes it were <laughs> um and i love that of, of course i'm biased yeah. in, in, in fact like one of my friends in college did her senior like capstone thesis and, and now she's in like music management she did her um capstone thesis in Spanish about why music is better than poetry (laughs) (laughs) and writing how why music is like the superior art form and I think about that too so much um yeah I, I I think there's there's something to that where um where music is transcendent in a way or goes to places where poetry can't go um and yeah what yeah what do you think it's so funny because in it, who was it the mark mark twain letter i sorry i'm sorry this letter is so long i would have written a shorter letter if i had had more time there's some some quote i think it's twain mm. but i mm-hmm. but i i wonder if poetry isn't what music wishes it was like we have to dress it up and dance uh, around and do all yeah. this stuff and hold a cool guitar. Poetry, Maggie Smith, guest of, of Wheels Off, Maggie Smith walks out on stage and reads Good Bones, or at this point probably just recites it because she knows it so well. And we're literally crying and she doesn't need a guitar, much less a PA, mm. much less shaking her, you know, whatever. So <laughs> I, I just, I, I wonder, but the bottom line is, and what I really love having done these interviews is talking to you, listening to you, getting excited about your new record, talking to her about her new book of poetry, talking to even Raymond Pettibone, who I interviewed the other day, who's this famously curmudgeonly visual artist painter. Like we're all choosing to devote our lives or big portions of our lives to giving a gift to the world. And I just think, ah, oh, I'm so grateful for you and, and and all of the people that out there who are really like living this, this dream of making the world a beautiful place, one song, one poem at a time, you know? Yeah, exactly. No matter the medium, right? It's all valid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I wonder if you, um, if you could imagine sort of distilling this wisdom that we're um, uh, uh, dishing out to the listeners today into some single piece of, of advice you might give to a 21-year-old version of Lauren Calve in today's <laughs> world, 21-year-old you walks up to you and you have to give yourself a piece of advice. What advice might you give yourself? Oh my gosh. 
be kind to yourself. (laughs) This is a mantra that I have to keep reminding myself. Um, It's just, I'm always asking the universe, like, God, like, fill me with loving kindness. You know, I just so, so much of this internal dialogue is just like, so I'm just being so hard on myself and so judgmental and so critical. And um, I I heard that, um, that, uh, yeah, that, that empathy is human's best quality, you know, that, um, the idea of, of evolution, you know, it's about, it's not so much about the survival of the fittest, but it's about, um, our, our capacity for empathy and that we're hardwired. We're empathy machines. Like we, that's when we feel good, you know, and when we like cuss out someone when we're, uh, driving and, you know, in that road rage moment, like the reason it feels bad is because like, we're not meant to harbor those kinds of feelings. Like we're meant to be kind. We're meant to be empathetic and, and compassionate. And it's ourselves. And I'm swear I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I work on this all the time and every day. And I would also say to my 21 year old self, like, you don't need to be in your bedroom with your guitar. Like you can show this to people. Like you're, you're actually, you know, you, you have something there and um, yeah, just don't have to be perfect. Don't have to be so self-critical and putting yourself out there is such a beautiful thing. And it's grown me so much and performing and playing music has been like the single greatest thing in terms of, just figuring out who I am. Oh, I love that. This is great. I'm so glad that we spoke today and I'm, I'm really excited for, for people to get to hear this. And I, I think you and I may even have more shows coming up in the future, but I, I really hope we do because um, I feel like I made a new friend. I, I appreciate yeah, this a lot, Lauren. Too. This is so great. Thanks. I appreciate this too so much. Right. It's so awesome. Like I said, to finally be able to sit down and have a conversation with you. I know it's really cool. Um, yeah. So I can't wait for the new record. And I um, thank you so much for being on wheels off today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. All right. Thank you so much for listening to wheels off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, 
And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.